What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 84 of the Noise Podcast, brought to you by Noise at Current UK and sponsored by Stereo Brain Records. I am your host, slash your boy, Chris Pugh, and I'm joined, as ever, by my very good friend and Mr. Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis. Mate, on this hardcore Monday, how are we? Very good. We're in a very good mood today. Hardcore's the best, right? When it, when it sounds like what we're about to talk about, hardcore's the best. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, this is this is a good day. How are you? You must be like apoplectic at the moment. Ecstatic, mate. Just the second we got the stream for this record, I was just beyond ecstatic. I just I had every confidence in the world it was going to be as fantastic and as brutal and as straight up hard as nails as it is. I love it so much. We should add here that we are the noise podcast. <laughs> We're start reviewing the album already. Uh, we are the noise podcast. We come to you every two weeks. We're sponsored by Stereo Brain Records. Uh, you can find us on Apple Music, um, sorry, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, basically wherever you get your podcast. Me and Sam will be there. The best way to support the show is to subscribe if you're on YouTube or follow slash like, depending on whichever other service you are using. You can follow me and Sam on Twitter at Noise Podcast. Me and Sam both run that account as you can see from the title of this episode we are dedicating this discussion solely to every time i die's new record radical i said that we usually do fortnightly episodes when there's a bigger album out me and sam always like to do a special episode around that album if it doesn't come out during the weeks that we would usually record so this is just like an extra special episode and there's no reason for us to hold off talking about it. let's go every time i die his new album radical is out on october 22nd the epitaph records it's the band's ninth album and the follow-up to 2016's excellent excellent low teens of course it was excellent because every time i die did that album Sam, uh, your experiences with Every Time I Die are slightly more peripheral than mine, aren't they? Um, in the sense of you've been exposed to them by me, chucking on the odd song of theirs, I Adore at pre-drinks, and you then being like, yeah, this is amazing. Was talking about it for a few minutes and then moving on to something else. I am under the impression this is your first really kind of full-length exposure to Every Time I Die, although I will give you the floor there to tell me your full depth of knowledge or if, or if this is the first time no no you made me listen to um uh, every time i die album for the journalist writing experience i did i did was that um gutter phenomenon do you remember although i think it probably was the big dirty yeah the big dirty was the one that you asked me to review mm. um for it there. An album. and i've also listened to um i've listened to every time i die every time you've told me to yeah um, which actually is about 35 times in the last 18 months. Yeah. Um. So my uh, my knowledge, love and experience every time I die kind of kicked off at 2000 Trees. I remember, Sam, a few years ago, we were at Slam Dunk. And every time I die, we're closing the show on the stage that we were primarily at for the day. And we, I wasn't really familiar with them at the time. And I, to my absolute hatred and like despise of myself now, we left early because you weren't familiar with them. I wasn't familiar with them at the time. And I was like, you know what, dude, I, I'd like to get an earlier night in, which I just despise myself for now because I've every time I die closing that stage at Slam Dunk would have been amazing. But a couple of years later, they um, played at 2000 Trees. I talk about the festival set on the show all the time because it's the best festival set I've ever seen. And I'd got into every time I die prior to that, realised how great they are, saw that festival set and was just absolutely hook, line and sinker in love and then went back and listened to as much every time I die as I possibly could. I wouldn't call myself like a super fan 
or to have crazy extensive knowledge on every time I die. But I've got enough knowledge to know that they are one of my favorite bands. They are, in my opinion, and I, I was, I was, I was debating this when I put the tweet out about it on the podcast channel uh, Twitter. But I, I do genuinely believe, Sam, that in terms of consistency, I think they're the best band of the 21st century. This is going to be their ninth album. And literally, I wouldn't rate any album they've done lower than an eight. And that is, that sounds like a bold, hyperbolic thing to say. But seriously, man, that is genuinely the case. That Every album they've done is at least an eight out of ten. And off the top of my head, I can't think of another band that has released that amount of albums and hit such a high average score. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, if we looked at a band in isolation, they might have released two or three outstanding albums, but a run of nine brilliant albums within a 21 year period, I think they are in terms of consistency. I think they're the best band of the 21st century. I think they are unmatched. Um, I would think the band we're reviewing on Wednesday would be in for a shout of that title too. Interesting. Oh, put that on ice. <laughs> put that on ice before you, before you get me going. So yeah, in terms of oh, consistency, word. <laughs> in terms of consistency, I think they are the best band in the 21st century. There's this charm about how every time I die, I write music, which I just find inescapably brilliant and alluring to listen to. Let's let's talk about Radical. This is one of the albums of the year, easily for me, and quite possibly the best record that Every Time I Die have written. I don't want to be too hyperbolic here and say it's the best thing they've done. I'd like to sit with this for a little while longer before I make such a claim. But with me saying it's one of the albums of the year and possibly the best record Every Time I Die have done, there's a ton of things I could focus on that prove that point. But primarily, the thing that makes me really feel this and feel convinced that it's one of the albums of the year and possibly the best album they've done is because I, I genuinely don't believe another band could have written a 16 song hardcore album that is as varied, interesting, brave and straight up aggro as this. Even for someone who loves hardcore as much as I do, the thought of a 16 song hardcore album is quite onerous. You know, for example, Sam, would you want a 16 song malevolence album? I'd want 10 or 12 max. Do you know what I mean? If Malevolence were doing the sort of things that are on the other side, I could deal with it. But if it was like 16 songs that sounded like Supremacy, then perhaps not. Yeah. So I'd want 10 or 12 max. And Malev, I adore. And Malevolence and Every Time I Die don't sound similar at all. They're at completely different ends of the hardcore spectrum. But the point stands that you would expect 16 songs of hardcore to great and feel repetitive. And I don't feel like Radical does that in any way, shape or form. There is moments on this album consistently that come completely out of left field and do something completely different while staying within the Every Time I Die ballpark. You listened to The Big Dirty, which I believe was released in 2007. We've now moved forward 14 years to 2021's Radical. Sam, how brilliant is this album? Which head expired if I was just like, nah, I don't like it. Yeah, I'd um, kick off, mate. I'd go mad. Because <laughs> there's just <laughs> no ten... way. There's just no way. No, it's it's the best album I've heard them do. It's, it's, it's a terrific album. It's um, it's brilliant because it sounds like everything you expect every time I die to sound like, but also it's brilliant because it sounds nothing like you'd expect every time I die to sound like yeah. Yeah. simultaneously. Um, 
it has all the the chaotic Tasmanian devil energy that every ever time I die album has come with, as well as every to every 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 time I die show yeah. seems to have come with as well. To the point where I was got to track seven and I was actually kind of like that how do they have to squeeze this amount of intensity into this shorter period of time, into this amount of songs. Um, there's, there's about three minutes of track until really the last one. And there seems to be about four or five different ideas per song. Yeah. Um, but so like by track seven, out, we're on like idea 29 and 30. It's just incredible that, that they've managed to, to jam so much in such a short space of time. Um, speaking about the album just holistically and before we get on like a sort of track by track basis, um, the most the most impressive thing among the obvious aggression, which which I knew what exactly what I was gonna get. I knew that they have that um that blend of hardcore with like just enough of a hint of blues rock to vary it off and and the the, the we get the harsh vocals with just a hint of like classic rock swagger. And, yeah. and sort of personality just to mm. make it just to take it away and, and things like that and i knew that that's what i was going to get what i didn't expect was a couple of these songs that are genuinely in different genres entirely there are two yeah. songs that we'll speak to later to speak about later that i want to do it when the time is right appropriately that didn't just come out of left field that came out of a completely different ballpark like we are not talking about um songs that i even kind of expected every time i die to even attempt there's um there's a song on here that's a legitimate, not a ballad, but it's a legitimate classic rock radio song almost. Mm, yeah. And there's another there's there's another song on here that opens like with a massive, massive sort of power rock chorus that mm. I would like if you if you close my eyes and tell me, you know, that's that's the new White Snake song. I'll be like, okay. But better than them. Great. But, 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 I was gonna say better than them though. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry. I was, I was just literally fucking just like to zag, and, and that would just uh, I, I I couldn't do it. Um, if for the sake of it, that would be a tough tough argument to win. Um, but no, like yeah, there are two two songs on here that just completely completely blew me away, and there are a few songs actually where within um, within the traditional um, every time I die blueprint, they actually incorporate some other tropes. There's like moments of ambience amidst some of the fury and some of the chaos as well that I thought was really, really entertaining and really, really good. Um, now this, um, again, I don't know how many times I've said this. Are there 15 albums of the year so far? Uh, I feel like there might yeah. be like 15 albums of the year. Um, I told yeah. Jack like last week um, before hearing Mastodon and Every Time I Die. And I was like, there's a, like a nine way death match for album of the year for me at the yeah, moment. Yeah. And it's like not even Halloween. And now there's like an 11 way death match for Halloween. And, and, and as well, as well, like, I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're like, it's because you're not like a sociopathic as I am internally, but because I get told all the time, how great every time I die, I am, I'm naturally like programmed to try to dislike them. Um, <laughs> because I'm like, Oh, everyone's, everyone says these are great. So therefore I can't just, just accept me be like yeah yeah i can't Everyone believe we're best like, friends you know but i can't i can't i can't come to the end of that process and be like i just i don't have my personality be like you know everything was everyone was right about everything that i've been told i can't do it so i have to actively <laughs> i have to actively be like one over oh, um God. so this but so this is the this is the equivalent of like i've been not been one over i've been like indoctrinated as a result of this album like i 
I think I'd fight the every time I die jihad at this point. Like I am, I'm on the other on, on the other side entirely. Um, and before we actually get to a single by single thing, um, you might you might speak to this. Why aren't these the biggest the biggest heavy rock band in the on the planet? That's an interesting one. I think. I mean. <laughs> It should be said they're absolutely they're a, they're a big band. I mean, I think Low Teens came like twenty third on the US two hundred on the US Billboard two hundred, which is a very 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 respectable finish for a hardcore band. But I, I absolutely see your point, Sam. Every time I die shouldn't have been sub headlining two thousand trees when they did Hot Damn in Fall. They should have headlined. But I think I think there is something to be said and perhaps enjoyment to be had in the fact that every time I die, I still feel a little bit like an underground band and they still live in the universe of chaos, chaos in that kind of beer soaked sweat dribbling walls of a grotty bar in the middle of your town center. They every still- time I, thrive in that atmosphere i guess they feel like your favorite band's favorite band do you know what that's a great point that is your favorite band's favorite band and you know what dude that is like if we talk about some of our favorite bands not loose uh malevolence while she sleeps that you know holding absence architects they all turn they style. all have turnstile they all have a a, a love for every time I die and mention it in interviews quite often. I mean, Keith Buckley was on the light, uh, on a different shade of blue by Knock Loose. He featured on a song. Keith Buckley featured on uh, Strive from the Paths album, um, Only Death is Real. The, you know, great bands all adore every time I die because they're such a fantastic, fantastic, like unique entity. And you were kind of talking about this earlier, but seriously, you know, people people listening to this who are massive every time I die fans. This album's brave, man. They do they do a song on this, which is the bravest thing I've ever heard them do. Now, granted, I have not uh, listened to every time I die's discography rabidly and know every single song back to back, but I'm comfortable enough with the discography to, to say there's a song on this album that's the bravest thing I've ever heard them do. And there is also, like you said, a song on this album that could very much be a radio rock song, radio rock song. And they're both amazing. They're brilliantly, fantastically written. To to go through, uh, you know, will we go through all 16 songs here? Probably not. And we'll probably just like hit on the main, the main points, the main highlights of which let's just start from the beginning, mate, because Dark Distance has the, the greatest start to an Every Time I Die album that I've ever heard. Spare only the ones I love, slay the rest. Drum fill, <laughs> bang, every huge riff comes out. And this caustic scream from Keith drops into this heavy rhythm, hardcore riff. It immediately brings you back into the Every Time I Die circle. It's controlled chaos. I think that's probably the best way I could describe Every Time I Die. It's controlled chaos. There's a million things going on at once, but it, it doesn't sound loose and it doesn't sound like a kitchen sink, does it? it it's it's groovy and, and linked and pieced together like the greatest game of Scrabble you've ever had in your life. It all it all just seems to make sense. Controlled chaos, Sam, what do you think? Is that apt? Yeah, I, th- I think I think so. Barely contained fury would be yeah. how I would describe it, I would describe it as well. 
Um, like you would talk, you would talk about how it just explodes out the gate. It feels like the end of um, in the School of Rock when like um, Jack Black's describing that song that he wrote in his head that he's making up as it goes along. He's like, boom, yeah. big old explosion, confetti comes down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's like lasers all over the place. That's what it, that's what it feels like. Um, and that that's what I feel like sort of like listening to this opening. Um, yeah, the the, 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 the the scream, the caustic's a great word for it, but man, that's a riff. Oh, it's opening, a riff. Uh, opening riff. And, and there's, uh, there's 40 great riffs on this album. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's probably that opening riff is probably top five to seven. It's just, just absolutely extraordinary. Um, I think this, this, this album doesn't take a breath. So I'm going to sort of like chunk these um couple of these songs together um, until we get to hang with feathers for obvious reasons. Mm. Um, so it goes to, to, to sly. And I was like, this is, this is a strange comparison, but try and bear with me. Um, you know the the group led vocals on Sly. I was thinking British System of a Down. Yeah, how unusual like, Brit- is the hook on that chorus Brit- lyric? Brit punk System of a Down. I know that every time I die, I'm not I'm not British. I don't believe. Um, no, they're not. They're from New York, Buffalo. Right. Okay. So, but like, it sounded like a British band do, uh, um, trying to like play like an early System of a Down tune because the, the the group vocals and the sort of stabbing riffs and things like that. But like, I, I thoroughly I thoroughly enjoyed it as a trope. Um, and there was there was a middle eight riff was just ridiculous. Um, what what I find what I find just it's just an absurd songwriting where it just seems to be one one furious riff that would be the best riff on another another band's entire discography or entire album just collated together. Every time I die, I like everything I once wished Gallows would turn into in like two thousand five, um, and that's where I thought music was sort of heading to. And they just sort of, you know, obviously they ate themselves really, and they just sort of disappeared. And Frank Carter's his own thing now. But um, and then then we got to, to to Planet Shit and Post Boredom, which are like great heavy rock songs um, yeah. with like rolling, stabbing, dirty riffs again. And um, Post Boredom sounds like um, these guys are either in a competition with Turnstile or trying to prove to Turnstile that they're the reason that we have Turnstile um, because there's a bluesy cadence to his voice. Um, that really, really, really reminds me of the new Turnstile album, and 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 the, the vocal melody here is just fantastic. And then it comes back with this uh, classic punk chorus with the whole My Annihilation thing, um, which is a, a great punk line. And it's just um, just <laughs> great riff after great riff after great riff, and then colossal wreck. And I'm just it just it just doesn't go away. At some point, I'm waiting for it to slow down. By, by like Colossal Wreck and, and, and Desperate Pictures, I'm I'm just I was astonished by the intensity here. And I feels like Desperate Prisoner is the first time it really feels like a breather is being taken in any sort of shape or form. Mate, there is a moment on Colossal Wreck where Keith Buckley does the I'm calling it quits uh, scream. And it's got this, it's got this dual-layered riff from Andy and uh, George, Andy Williams is the rhythm guitarist. Jordan Buckley is the lead guitarist. And Keith comes through with this wretched scream over the top of this dual layer riff. And it is the coolest thing in the world. It sounds so brilliant. And then there's like a real interesting kind of textural change for when Keith's screaming, I should have been baptised. It, it's just executed so well. And it's one of those things where when you watch Every Time I Die live, from the experience I had seeing at 2000 Trees and hopefully I'll see them again ASAP. It's, it's like, and listening to this album, do you kick off or do you just stare in amazement at this? 
you know what I mean? Do you kick off or do you just like want to dance with your mates, put your arm around and bang your head? You know what? You do both of those things because it's written so brilliantly. And you were talking about Desperate Pleasures. It's a mild diversion from the chaos, but it builds the These Are Desperate Times vocal really interestingly. And eventually it slowly, slowly builds to the point it concludes into this classic hardcore punch verse. And again, then the complexity changes into this baseline-led second verse. And bands just can't do this. Like every time I die, there's a, a kind of there's a dissonant riff that comes in after the world made us sick. How can it heal us? Re- repeated vocal, which is I mean, what a what a lyric that is. Keith Buckley, who used to be an English teacher, actually, by the way, Sam. Interesting little side note there. Keith Buckley is a genius lyricist, and the way he performs vocally throughout every every time I die album, but specifically this one, is is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I completely agree. Fear is a fetish comes later as well. And that's oh, that's that's my favourite yeah. lyric on the album as well, which yeah. I really like. Um, but there's so, there's so much to love about this. There's a joyous anger to it, really. There's a fury. And um, one of the knocks, stereotypically, that we've had on post-podcore and, you know, the post-punk world is the fact that the songwriting has always been a little bit clunky, a little bit repetitive, a little bit sort of like, quote-unquote, sort of caveman metal. Um but there's so much intricacy in terms of fitting the riffs together here that, that, that if, as a feat of songwriting, as a feat of, of guitar work, this is extraordinary. This is no less impressive to me than any sort of um, tech metal. Mm, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. In terms, of, in terms of the way the riffs are put together and the transitions between them, this is no, this is no different to me than, than that Ophidian eye in terms of the degree of difficulty and the, the complexity of the songwriting and the, the changes of ideas and stuff. And fair enough. There's no, there's, you know, there's a, there's a couple of bass beats actually, which, which is interesting. But there's there's very, there's very little sort of like complicated rhythm work, rhythmic work individually. But it's the concoction of all these in this just furious cocktail that it just it, it is it is an extraordinary listen. But it's so so fun. It's it's a thrilling, it's a thrilling album. Just wanted to focus on Keith Buckley again for a second, Sam, because on all this and war, he does these elongated screams which yes we've heard vocalists of course do elongated screams before but you ever heard them do one like this because he's amazing at them it's the, it's the, there's a real aggression to it it's i, the I don't rasp. know how to describe it yeah there's a, there's a real harshness where it actually does feel like he's taking his vocal cords right to the edge um and this sounds really really strange when you hear him in death metal though because they're so perfect and they're so well mixed and they're so like clearly quite easy for a guttural vocalist. Almost feels like sanitized, yeah. Studio friendly. Um, like like for example, if you listen to like classic sort of like death metal modern vocalist, sort of like the dude at a shadow of intent, he sounds fantastic, but he, he sounds so much like the perfect death metal vocalist that he actually just sound like a, a real person. Yeah, um, I get that. Where, I get there's Keith Buckley, there's a real element of fragility and humanity that I thoroughly enjoy. Um, he's, it sounds really strange, but he's legitimately screaming into a microphone like he's in yeah. pain. Yeah. Like that's not a, the sort of vocal technique that sort of creates this distance between the act and the effect. He's legitimately screaming aloud. And that, that creates this rawness, this harshness that really, that really, that really sort of elevates the songs. And I feel the same way about some of the guitar riffs. This guy, the guitarist that I've put in here, I've just put 
a decent guitar by the by the sounds of it through like a Vox or a Marshall stack and just turned it up. Just turned it up. There are no effects here. There are no there are no pedals. There are no. I mean, there's a clean there's a clean flick lighter, but that's that's about it. This is like this is this is Marshall stack turned to ten, and there's a there's a Spartan quality to it that I just adore. Lead guitarist is a Jordan Buckley Caves brother. He's an absolute also, geezer. What's, what's the name of the rhythm guitarist? Andy Williams, the guy that wrestles for AEW. So sick. Of course, of course, he's a wrestler as well. <laughs> so sick. You, you could build bridges with some of the riffs he's written. Mm. Um, he's an amazing rhythm guitarist. He's amazing. And I, I assume having two guitarists like this, obviously there's not one. It's not like Malcolm Young, Angus Young, where one guy writes the riffs and the guy does guitar solos. Because there are no guitar solos. No, there um, aren't. So, so I imagine there's a very collaborative process in terms yeah. of the riff work being sort of put together. Mm. And that's a credit to both of them because they're both seem fantastic at their jobs and they, they seem to mesh together. Um, I I don't know. I don't know. I just listened to this album, just the furious nature of some of the songwriting. Um, it's just superb. And then just when you're starting to think that the album is reaching the zenith of what it can be. Oh, man. The, 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 the actual, like, okay, you, you, mentally you're like, okay, this is an 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10, hardcore album. This is 16 tracks of this. I mean, I'm mentally ready. Uh, Hang With Feathers. Thing With Feathers. Start. Oh, sorry, my mistake. Thing With Feathers. Um, well, just before we get into Thing With Feathers, just quickly, uh, use of a cowbell and a hardcore track on all, on all this and war, feed it to me. Amazing. Um, <laughs> like Cowbell and a hardcore track, it's the best thing in the world. All This and War uses it so well. No, but what's the worst song that it would be immediately improved to you by Cowbell? You'd be like, well, actually. Uh, Invaders by Iron Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> you must have known that was coming, surely. If, that, if they used that, it wouldn't put, be put the worst song in, in the world. that chorus, would you be like, oh, well, actually. <laughs> it wouldn't be the worst chorus in the world. It would just, it would just be like a two out of ten. Um, a thing with Feathers. Mate, I mean, I did not see this coming at all. I, I believe it's the bravest thing that I've ever heard every time I die do. It's this morose, mild tempo rock crawler, I guess. Beautifully done, though. And I guess it's one of the few times where I've heard Keith Buckley's vocals be moving. Usually, we have, we've uh, kind of associated Keith with this raw, like, white knuckle aggression in his vocal tones but literally on thing with feathers there's this real like moving sensibility to the way he performs the hook on the chorus is incredible and i've never heard them go as directly into rock territory as they do on this uh, on this song and i'm in love with it the vocal passages and acoustic guitar melodies are just so infectious as well what I have every confidence in the world that you're 100% with me on the beauty of Thing With Feathers. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's really, really good. And it's perfectly timed for the album as well. It's, it's sort of such an intelligent moment to put it there um, in the midst of these sort of furious songs, but at the point where the listener was beginning to get probably a bit punch drunk um, by by the style of the songs. Um, but yeah, the, the clean riff at the start's gorgeous. Completely surprising and refreshing amidst the insanity. Um, I kind of got like a block party indie vibe at times from some of the chorus, the way that that was sort of like pushing and pressing um, with the do 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 sort of like repetitive chords underneath the riff. And that answered my only remaining concern is what else can this be? Um, by, by seven tracks, I was like, yeah, you're really great at 
this particular thing? Can you, is there anything else? Which has yeah. always been, which has always been my criticism of so many bands because it's the only thing left. Essentially, it's you know, can you do other stuff? Uh, and there's nothing wrong with bands that can't. Um, but that's the final zenith to get. That's the final sort of check mark to tick off. I think to make you a sort of all time kind of band within a genre or whatever. And they are actually more than capable of that. The answer is indisputably yes. Um, this is this is beautiful. It's well it's well written. Um, it's you're right, heartfelt and melancholy, and still somehow intense, and still yeah. somehow has a feeling of aggression, and still somehow. Um, has a moment where you're sort of bobbing your head along because of the riff work and, and things like that. So that, that they don't completely abandon their elements of what makes them great. They're sort of extenuating to other areas, which I think is which, which is all the more more all the more impressive. Uh, it's a it's a it's a terrific song. It really really is. Best lyric on the album, in my opinion, comes on Hostile Architecture. I've got a brand new skeleton. I'm dying to know what you think of it. Amazing, delivered so potently, and how I, every time I die, take a clean chorus and then as it breaks out, turn it on a, in a switch into this hostile hardcore breakdown is beyond me. How they actually think of that and then put it in motion and put it together into something that actually works is it, it, truly just something that I can't comprehend. Should make a quick little point here, Sam. This was produced by our best friend, Will Putney. Of course it was. Are you surprised at all to hear this? This Will Putney no. is just the just like our god just produces this ridiculous, ridiculous record after ridiculous record. And he has done quite a, he's done a few of every time I die's record, and now he definitely did low teens as well. So he has got quite a good relationship with the band. I would like to speak, Sam, about White Void, which yes, please. which which could be Sam, and, and I mean this, this could be my favorite ever every time I die song. I am just beyond, isn't it? I, I am beyond in love with the lead vocal hook on the chorus of this song. It Jumping is right out the gate, the, the classic Beatles philosophy, starting with the chorus, like from every time I die, it was just extraordinary. Where do we start with this? This this is a rock, it's a rock song, isn't it, Sam? I mean, this is this yeah, is a rock yeah, song. This, is, this is a rock song, Chris. It's it's a rock song. Is it a rock song? I think it's a rock song. <laughs> but no, it's, 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 it's absolutely a great rock song as well. Like, but it, it's it's like a modern rock song. Like, it's a light 80s style rock song. It's got that kind of slow, methodical uh, thump to it. Again, out of nowhere, because they do Hostile Architecture, Owl and Whip. And Whip's like the standard thrashy tune. Yeah. That's perfectly album track worthy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Wrong with it. Yeah. Um, and then deliberately comes into this. And it's really fun and enjoyable and really offsets the whole album. Um, I want to talk about the bass lines, <laughs> uh, the, the, the two thirds in, because they, it's the, the trope that I was noticing that they were doing a lot of, especially early on, is let's stop the riff so we can hear the drums fill the void and let the drums fill the open space up with just the vocals. And it gives it that sort of percussive live quality that they want to replicate on. On, on the albums, which which again fantastic. I'm a drummer. Give it give it me, but stopping it for like the running little bassline, then to bring the riff back in, then go back to the running little bassline again. I thought was a really nice moment. It's a reminder that I the bass <laughs> bassist of every time I do is also really really good. Steve Machine, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely fantastic. And just proceeds this huge chords again for fight fights back in to with massive massive vocals once again. It's just it's exceptional. It is it's an exceptional song that. I mean, by the sense of your analysis, as well as mine, 
I had no idea that they could write or even had the willingness or inclination to even begin to write a song like this. Um, what does this mean for every time I die, Chris? It means, Sam, that they can be whatever they want to be at any given moment. They could, for album 10, be the best rock band of that year. Or they could be the best hardcore band over the year that album comes out and do a couple of rock songs on it. Because every time I've died, flirted with rock songs before, couple of moments of that on low teens but this this is a rock this is a rock song and and oh, there's yeah. and and there's there's now getting away there's now getting away from that and it's the, it's the first time i've ever listened to it and every time i die song and thought they could definitely play this not that they maybe not necessarily that they will but they could definitely play this at three o'clock in the afternoon on the radio it, it could be done but and people might hear that and think, oh, my God, now what are they going to do? Seriously, trust trust me, trust oh, it's them, because it, it's amazing. And it, it's not this completely watered-down, sweet-tooth version of Every Time I Die, because it's got a hardcore section with pinching dissonant riffs, and it drops into a two-step two rhythm as well before it blends back into the chorus. So there are moments of like where you would like grind your teeth, but for the most part, it's this open-ended, expansive, really beautiful to listen to rock song. And I think it it could possibly be my favourite ever every time I die song. I, I I cannot get over the vocal hook. It's so brilliantly done by Keith. It's fantastic. But, it, is, it is really terrific. But the thing is, Sam, I think that's like the 12th song, I believe, if I remember correctly. But, but what happens after that, Sam? And this is where see, every time I die really kind of differentiate itself from the pack because... Once it gets to distress rehearsal, sex, 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 people versus, and we go together, you would think that by now, we're approaching song 13, 14, 15, and 16, we're just going to hear different versions of what we heard before. And these are just songs that they didn't want to do B-sides for. They thought we might, we've recorded them, why not put them on the album? But seriously, Sam, that's not what happens because People Versus is unlike anything else on the record. And it's like the 15th song. And it doesn't sound like anything else on the album. Keith delivers a completely different form of his vocal style. He sounds cleaner, more piercing than anywhere else on the record. And it's just another completely fresh entry into the structure of the album. It builds up this main chorus climax fantastically. It, that's what separates every time I die from every other hardcore band, because no one else could do this. I wouldn't... If Not Loose did a 16-song album, I'd be worried for them. And I love Not Loose, and they're amazing. And in terms of modern hardcore, in terms of young modern hardcore bands, they are the band, 100%. But I wouldn't want them to do 16 songs because they can't. I, would, I don't think they'd be able to do it like this. People versus, mate, imagine, imagine doing something completely different, 15 songs into a hardcore album. How are they doing this? Yeah, I, I I agree. I agree. There's um again, there's a there's a tension to it. There's a different song structure to it. There's the fact that it sort of lets the chords fade out with the bass, bass drum continues. It allows them to sort of bring it all back later on. It's it's a really really masterfully crafted song, that again is in the midst of the chaos elsewhere, where there are traditional every time I die songs like following 
White Voyager Distress Rehearsal was a good choice because it goes right into the classic Flash yeah. uh, stylings again. And because we've because we've now exited that style, coming back to it is is refreshing. And same with um, Sex, 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 which is like a madness infused. Every time I die, song would be a highlight on on every <laughs> uh, lots of other hardcore bands albums. And I feel I feel the same almost with um with we 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 go together absolutely concluding, concluding trap because it's it's slow and chugging and methodical. And it breaks away with film music and lets it come back again with additional drama and has this concluding melody that where the band has not decided to just go breakneck speed and back into fifth gear for like a final flurry. They've really tried to like have this sort of dramatic finale to what the album is capable of. And I find that fantastic as well. Um, this, if you're, I don't know what more to say if you're an Every Time I Die fan, I assume you're going to. This is going to be the the masterpiece of, of 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 their career for you. I assume I need to listen to it. Um, the rest of their their discography to sort of make any sort of comparison like that. But I obviously there's a lot of people that listen to a lot every time I die a lot more than myself. Um, but I can't imagine that they've written an album better than this. I can't if they if there's an album better than this. I can't imagine what that sounds like. I, I can't I can't conceive of an album that would be better than this for what they do. There's no, there's no way because my logic tells me that the earlier in their career they are, it would be more intense and therefore less varied and less genre splicing, which is actually what lets that stuff down for me, that it doesn't have the kind of thinking man's version of Every Time I Die that this seems to have, where I think they've hit like a new sort of peak where they're comfortable with their, their style of music and also able to spread out. Now, if you said, oh, their first album's great, I'm actually going to, I would actually expect it just to be like eight songs of, of the opener. And I, I can't imagine a song, an album that sounds this level of maturity with also the madness and fury sort of tied in. I just can't, I can't conceive it. I think that's a very perceptive, pretty much correct analysis, Sam, to be honest. I am hesitant to say that this is their best ever album because that I just want to do the same thing when I was talking about Trivium. And in the court of the dragon being better than Shogun, I just I just want to sit with it for a bit longer, and and I do have this tendency to hear the cool new thing and just be crazy excited and hyperbolic, and I am trying to get better at drawing that back. What I will say is this: absolutely slots in to the top three every time I die albums for me. Uh, I would probably go big, dirty, low teens, and this, and then obviously whatever order I decide to put those in, but those for me are the best three every time I die albums that, every time I die albums that I've heard. And this is absolutely jumped straight into that top three. It absolutely jumped straight into my album of the year discussion. I said, I put out a tweet in September and said, I, I've, I'm, I'm very confident I've heard the album of the year. I was talking about Rivers of Niles, the work. I hadn't yet. It is for me. It is possibly this or another album that we're about. We will uh, discuss in a couple of days. If you're in every time, if you're in every time I die super fan, this will be your album of the year. If you're in every time I die fan, this will be in your top five at least. If you are not into hardcore, this could be an album that would bring you into it. That's how good it is. This album is. Is incredible. One of the great moments of every time I die's career. One of the great moments of hardcore music in the 21st century. It's amazing. They're amazing. I expected nothing else. I, I 
stand firm on my claim they're the best band of the 21st century when it comes to consistency. When they do album 10, I can guarantee you now, put your house on it, that'll be at least an 8 out of 10 as well. It's just what every time I die do. They go away for a few years, they, they, do, they do these crazy tours, they sit on their ideas, they let them fester, build, they get back in the studio, Will Putney, and they churn an 8 or 9 out of 10 album out. That's what every time I die do. Bet your house on it. Radical's amazing. Sam? Any final comments? No, I think you hit the nail on the head, man, mate. I think it's it's incredible. It's incredibly rare for a band to have huge expectations going into it and somehow exceed them. And I think that's what's happened. So that closes off episode eighty-four of the Noise Podcast. Now we are going to be back again on Friday because me and Sam have the absolute pleasure to discuss. Tell them why. <laughs> to discuss Hushed and Grim, the upcoming album from Mastodon. Now, what that means is usually me and Sam uh, do an episode every two weeks, but I am going to be on holiday during the week that our normal podcast episode will come out, which would have been the 26th of October. So instead of us doing an episode on the 26th of October, we're going to release this one on the 18th of October, release the Mastodon review on the 22nd of October, and then we won't actually be back until the 9th of November at that point. But you have got Every Time I Die here and we are going to be back on Friday to talk about Mastodon's Hushed and Grim. That is going to be a special discussion. Um, thank you for listening. Boy Radical, support Every Time I Die. They're, they're one of the best bands in the world by a country distance. They're the best band in hardcore by some distance. Radical is an incredible album. Uh, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube or like or follow, depending on whichever service you are using. Follow me and Sam on Twitter at Noise Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us. We are going to be back on Friday reviewing Mastodon's Hushed and Grim. We can't wait to talk about it. And we can't wait to see you then. We love you. Bye.